You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to spotlight America's team with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com and provide your fantasy fix. Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with our friend Peter King from MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, great to chat with you again after our conversation on Sunday on NFL First and Goal. And today we're joined by Cordell. How are you, Peter? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Doing great. Doing great, Peter. Peter, I didn't get a chance to speak with you last time, technical difficulties, but I have you this time, my friend. Uh, the last time we saw each other, we were out in the where we at the Greenbrier out in West Virginia, and I was asking about Deshaun Watson and what did you think about him having an opportunity to start? And we we obviously did the cliche thing of Tom Savage and you know giving the kid an opportunity to grow in this position. But how fast has he grown over the last couple of weeks in comparison to how he played the first op- the first chance he had against the Cincinnati Bengals up until right now, putting up many numbers that we've never seen an offense put up there uh, with the Houston Texans. But he's doing it in multitude of ways. He's doing it with his head. He's doing it with his arm and also doing it with, with his feet. Give me your take on that. I think, Cordell, the two things about him that that are most interesting to people who have been around him uh, ever since he was drafted. Number one is how quickly he adapted to Bill O'Brien's encyclopedic playbook and and his style of play, which obviously is going to be run when you have to, not when the defense gives it to you. And and so he, he, he has not run very much, and that um, has taken some getting used to for him. But I think one of the other things that – that really hasn't surprised me very much when you talk about his production. I think one of the things that you saw in college, and I do not watch a lot of college football, but when I went to the scouting combine last year, I remember asking some of the scouts there about him, and I came away just thinking, listen, all these people who are talking about the adjustment period that he's going to have in in pro football, I, I was asking people this question. There's only one person on the planet alive right now who has ever twice had 400-yard passing games against Nick Saban coach defenses. And, and obviously it's Deshaun Watson. And I kept thinking to myself, why is everybody so caught up in this huge adjustment he's going to have to make? He played a defense that probably has seven first-round picks on it or, or high picks on it. Um, he pl- and he shredded it twice. So I don't. I never really understood this whole line of thinking that man, it's going to be really tough for him to adapt, and it hasn't been very tough for him to adapt. Taking you around the league with Peter King from the MMQB. Peter, when he's healthy, Derek Carr is an MVP candidate. How much confidence do the Raiders have that EJ Manuel can hold things together while Carr is out with the back injury? They're going to say all the right things, Brian, but. I don't see how they can be very confident. He basically, uh, you know, proved over a long period of time, or a long period, but, but over several years in Buffalo that, 
you know, when given an opportunity, especially, uh, you know, he got three different chances in Buffalo, you know, to prove that he should be the quarterback and he couldn't do it. Um, and it just goes to show me, I think, that, you know, it's all well and good to, if you think you've got a, a, a durable starting quarterback, I, I, you know, and everybody thinks at the start of the year, hey, look, we're going to build a suit of armor around our guy. We're not going to let him get hit all that much, and he's going to make it the year, and I get that. But to me, you know, this just underscores why trades like, you know, like when Chris Ballard, the GM of the Indianapolis Colts, traded for Jacoby Brissett on Labor Day weekend. I think a lot of people around the league, they were surprised, but they basically shrugged, and they said, well, this guy's really not going to play very much, just a backup quarterback. Well, Jacoby Brissett, if the Colts had half a defense, uh, Jacoby Brissett would have beaten the Seattle Seahawks the other day in Seattle. I mean, or, or I should say could have beaten them. And, and I just think it goes to show you that that backup quarterback job, the value of a backup quarterback, you have to think of it as one of the 10 or 12 most important positions on your team. The Colts did that, and even though they lost the other day, they're going to have Jacoby Brissett for the next two and a half years at least. Uh, And I don't know that there's a single, I mean, other than, say, Garoppolo right now, I don't know that there's a single backup quarterback in football that I'd rather have than Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, of course, well-groomed, well-coached. Uh, by New England Patriots offense, coaching staff. Uh, It goes to show you just coming from there and having a chance to play with Indy and doing the things that he's trying to do right now is is pretty good. But speaking of someone being pretty good, Alex Smith. I mean, come on, man. Is is this stuff real, Peter? Or is this something that we need to hold our breath on? What's going on? Tell me what's going on with Alex Smith. I'll tell you you what. I was talking to Andy Reid a couple of weeks ago about this, and – and I said, man, the downfield throws that Alex Smith is making, you know, he's better at that than I remember. And he, he told me that, and I'm assuming it's because of Pat Mahomes, but uh, the drafting of Pat Mahomes and obviously using two first-round picks, one this year and then, a, then a, another one in trade to move up to get him. But, uh, you know, Andy Reid told me that, that this year, unlike any year that he's had Alex Smith, he worked on deep ball throwing in the off season, particularly with Tyreek Hill, uh, because he knew it was going to be such a part of their repertoire this year. And if, if you have Tyreek Hill, a four three seven guy, as your number one receiver, well, you better be able to use that four three seven. And I think Alex Smith is basically using this year to show all of us, hey, you guys all all say I've got a noodle arm. Look at me throw the ball downfield. And so I hand it to Alex Smith. He has totally remade his image in the last month, I think, in the eyes of a lot of people, including scouts who watch football. Peter King, MMQB, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, let's wrap it up in Philadelphia. Eagles 3-1, and one, but could their future be even brighter in the long term as they get healthier in the secondary? I think so, no question about it. When they get Sidney Jones back from this Achilles injury, maybe uh, around mid-November, when they get Ronald Darby back, I mean, those are two guys who, you know, most teams during the course of the year, um, you know, don't get healthy around Thanksgiving. They're, 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 they're having to bring up guys from the practice squad around then. But 
I think the Eagles are counting on both of those guys being factors by the end of this year. And look, the Eagles make the playoffs, and those two guys play healthy football in January. Uh, I think their secondary can be very competitive. They're going to be able to beat a lot of teams. I Now, after last night, I mean, I was so impressed with Washington and so impressed with Washington last week that it's so crazy. We thought it would be the Giants and Cowboys duking it out for the NFC East. Hey, it might be, might be Washington and Philadelphia. It's just another example of this year why up is down in the NFL. Peter, great information as always. We appreciate the insights. Look forward to chatting with you again on Sunday on NFL First and Goal. All the best, guys. Great being with you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise. With Bose QC35 wireless headphones, you just flip a switch and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise. Lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC 35 headphones today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's break down the Cowboys coming off their loss to the Rams with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey, as always, we appreciate the time. So let's start with the Cowboys offense. Were you surprised that they were ineffective in the second half after the solid first half performance on Sunday against the Rams? Or perhaps we should give Wade Phillips some credit for making defensive adjustments for the Rams. Yeah, I I thought that the way the Cowboys were rolling in the first half that, uh, you know, this this would be uh, a 40 point game. You know, it's kind of weird. Uh, because we're talking about a team that scored 30 points and had 440 yards total offense, and uh, uh, and it ends up the narrative is, well, the offense kind of failed. Well, yeah, I, I guess they should have scored, you know, 40 points and put up 500 yards offense. Uh, they ran into a couple problems in the second half, uh, getting themselves in a couple third and long situations that they – they basically couldn't overcome. Uh, there were four third and there four four third downs. Uh, they had five third downs there early. They converted one. The other ones they faced third and eleven, third and seven, third and six, and third and eight. And that's kind of been uh, you know their Achilles' heel uh, so far in the season, not being able to do a good job on third and more than six. So uh, that kind of bogged them down. Um, and, and then the other thing I thought that, you know, really turned the momentum of the game, uh, when you're leading 17-6 to six in the first half, you force uh, the Rams to punt, and then you fumble the punt uh, and set them up for an 18-yard drive for a touchdown. I think at that point they had scored on their first three possessions. The Rams weren't stopping them. And I think if you take that possession and score – uh, you're probably turning the game into a laugher. So uh, there were a couple things that uh, happened uh, not defensively uh, that got them in a bind. But, yeah, you want to keep scoring. Uh, like I said, they put up 30, and that was the first time in uh, 16 games the Cowboys have scored 30 points that they didn't win. Uh, so, uh, you know, got to do a better job on first down. Uh, a couple runs uh, ended up with one yard, zero yards. 
Uh, and I think that got him behind the chains. You mentioned some runs uh, on first down, start out with one yard, sometimes zero yards, maybe even negative yards. It's kind of going back to the Denver Bronco game when uh, they basically just clocked up every hole possible. They have Green Bay coming up next. I know they have a ton of injuries on the offensive side of football when it comes to the tackles, mainly up front, but they still find ways, Cobb. You still, still find ways uh, to win games. Give me your take in the position that the Cowboys are in right now. 3.6 yard per rush for Ezekiel Elliott, struggling sometimes in the passing game, not as smooth as they were last year. Give me your take on how or what they need to do in order to beat this Green Bay Packer team that's playing pretty good considering some of the injuries they have. I think they need to be more consistent uh, on the offensive line. You know, I think there's this assumption that just because they have three uh, Pro Bowl offensive linemen, that when you're filling in two other spots uh, with basically new guys, that nothing changes. Uh, I think, you know, we're at the point now where that offensive line has to improve, and that's everybody. Uh, I, I don't see the continuity uh, that they had last year. And, you know, let's face it, they, they ended up with uh, a new, somebody having to sub in at left guard. And I'm not saying if you can't play well at left guard, that's going to mess up your whole offensive line. Uh, but Jonathan Cooper had to play for Chaz Green at the left guard. Lel Collins is still coming along at the right tackle spot. And, and just like the, the line just wasn't coordinated. They would have a bad play here, a bad play there. And and it kind of just messes up the entire offense. So to me, the thing that's got to improve offensively uh, is the offensive line not having these bad plays. And it's not the same guy every time either. I mean, Tyron Smith wasn't perfect. Zach Martin wasn't perfect. Uh, You know, so they've got to do a better job getting that offensive line coordinated so that you don't have those negative runs uh, in the running game uh, that, you know, they did a good job the first half. Uh, Zeke wasn't getting hit behind the line of scrimmage uh, the way he was so much against Denver and Arizona. They did a better job of that. But then the second half, there were a couple plays in there that bogged down drives. And then they didn't do a very good job of protecting Dak Prescott uh, as well as they should have. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey David Irving's four-game suspension is done. What does his return mean to this defense as they get ready to match up with Aaron Rodgers on Sunday? Well, he this was the first day he was allowed back after the four-game uh, suspension. The Cowboys do have a one-game uh, exemption for the roster. Uh, if he indeed might not be ready to play on Sunday, uh, they they got the roster exemption until the following Monday. Uh, my understanding is he's here, uh, looks like he showed up in pretty good shape. Uh, so he's going to have his first padded practice uh, since the, the week of the Oakland preseason game, which was the fourth preseason of five preseason games uh, for Cowboys. So uh, they're going to get him in a padded practice on Wednesday, see how he does. I would imagine they want him out on the field as soon as they deem him ready, and I would imagine they deem him ready on Friday. Uh, they they need him. Uh, they can play him at either of the defensive end spots. They can move him inside. Uh, he was probably most disruptive last year 
uh, when they went to their three down lineman package and he was the middle guy uh, of the three and, and he really hurt the Packers in the regular season game doing that. Uh, so uh, this should give them a boost because they're sort of getting one-sided on that defensive line. You know, other than Demarcus Lawrence and Malik Collins, they're not getting much out of the other two spots. And they've been rotating guys in and out of there, and they just haven't gotten much production. And I'm not just talking about rushing the quarterback. they got to do a better job against the run because the common thread in both losses uh, is this. The Broncos ran for 178 yards on the Cowboys, and the Rams ran for 168, and each had a 100-yard rusher. The Cowboys went through the entire 2016 season without an opponent having a 100-yard uh, rusher, uh, and now it's happened two, twice in four games. Uh, so David Irving can only help, uh, and then the other help they need is to get their linebackers healthy and back on the field. Uh, it looks like Anthony Hitchens uh, will practice again this week, but more so than he did on a limited basis last week. Uh, there's a chance that Sean Lee uh, will be ready to go. Now, they're going to be careful with that because they have a bye following the Green Bay game. And as you guys know, those hamstrings can be pretty delicate. And the last thing you want to do is you know, turn a one- or two-week injury into a month injury uh, by playing him too soon. I think they feel optimistic that he can get back into practice this week. We'll see where it goes. But I think between the, those three things that should help out uh, this defense, maybe get back on track. Let's just say there's another DeMarcus that's playing really well up front. The last one there named DeMarcus was DeMarcus Ware, who was pretty good off the edge uh, when he was there with the Dallas Cowboys. And, of course, we know he went off to Denver and got him a championship in Super Bowl 50. But you mentioned and you alluded to him, DeMarcus Lawrence. He has seven and a half sacks, which leads the National Football League on this team, and everyone else uh, combined has four and a half sacks. Tell me, how big is it to have a player that's that dynamic in the trenches uh, when it comes down to being able to make the stops that's needed uh, when you look at this defense and their inability to make key stops similar to what they did last year uh, with Marinelli's defense and also this year with giving up the points that they've been giving up so far? Yeah, Cordell, he's huge. I mean, this is the first time you mentioned DeMarcus Ware. This is the first time the Cowboys have had a defensive player lead the league in sacks at any point uh, since the 2012 season. So it was the year before uh, Ware's last year with the Cowboys. Um, but here's the deal. You know, you can't have a one-man line. You mentioned, uh, you know, the sacks they have. Uh, and they're, I think, ranked third right now in the league. But Demarcus Lawrence has seven and a half. Malik Collins has two and a half. We can do the math on that, right? That's ten. Uh, the rest of the team only has like three sacks. They got to be better than that. They have to be more balanced. Uh, what happened against the Rams is the Rams finally just came out and said, you know what? You're not messing up my offense anymore. We're double-teaming you. We're going to put a tight end there. And then the other thing that started happening is they started using their running back to chip him. And that's when he almost got hurt. I don't know if you guys saw the play. Uh, he went down for you know a play or two, uh, but the running back got him right on the hip. Uh, so, again, 
it's one thing to have that guy that can kind of kind of mess up the coordination of an opposing offense, but you better have somebody else. Otherwise, they'll just concentrate on him and say, we'll take our chances with everybody else. Uh, his, his ability, and it's not just the, the sacks either. If you look at the amount of quarterback hits he has and tackles behind the line of scrimmage in the running game, uh, he's been huge. Uh, they've been searching for a guy like that for you know since Demarcus Ware left. He's got more sacks now uh, than two of the last three years. The t- guys that led him in sacks, the the two of those years, the guy that led this team in sacks had all of six. The one year somebody had more than six, well, it just happened to be Demarcus Lawrence with eight before he started having back problems. He looks healthy. Uh, he's given this this team a real boost at that spot, but it's not enough. The other two, three guys uh, have to be able to step up. Mickey, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Enjoy the playoff rematch coming up on Sunday in Arlington. I appreciate it, and good to be with you guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise with Bose QC35 wireless headphones. You just flip a switch, and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise. Lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. And he goes to the near side, and it's picked off, intercepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the Fantasy Fix. Always a pleasure to spotlight fantasy football with Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Mike, let's start with Monday Night Football. A lot of Redskins fans were losing their minds as Josh Doxson was unable to hang on to what could have been a game-winning touchdown. We know about his history of injuries early on in his run in the NFL. What's the fantasy outlook moving forward? We all ship him, stick him, and hope that uh, that fixes things going forward. No, that's tough. I mean, that's a crunch time target and you know as we do all our our prognostication and look in the analysis you know you're only hoping to see uh, another you know notch in the red zone target and and certainly had the opportunity here uh, I, I think you'll see more of that but short term just too inconsistent a play for a guy to find his way into the starting lineup on your fantasy squad but certainly those targets are something you hold in the back of your head that that maybe Kirk Cousins goes back tries to reestablish that trust. You think of the Minnesota Vikings, you think of a team that has potential to be really good in that division, but constantly keep having injuries after injuries, whether it's the coaching staff or players. Dalvin Cook is done for the year. How do you replace him? Is it Latavius Murray? Is he the guy? First, I may have cried a little bit. I may be honest. Good cleansing uh, and, cry, and, Mike. And that could be helpful. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it takes out, you know, a guy that, 
you, you thought you'd gotten yourself a, a fantasy gem where you would have been able to draft him uh, if you had the guts to go do it and look like he was going to be that breakout sensation. Instead, we go to Murray, the guy they had signed, and then he promptly had ankle surgery. Uh, so now you're, you're looking at his history and trying to figure out exactly where he's at. And, and all you can hope for is touches, at least short term. Uh, that's where they have to go. So we, we know on the waiver wire that'll be a popular pickup. Uh, people that were really slow, and I think most leagues slept on Alvin Kamara, uh, he's going to be the waiver wire darling for this week after the London Showcase game and you know the at the end of the Adrian Peterson run there. Um, you know, Murray was once a, a thousand yard rusher in 2015. Not, not that he was dominant in any way stretch uh, way of the stretch of the imagination, but you're looking at a guy that as long as he's getting 15 touches a game, uh, at least gives you that fantasy viability. We'll see uh, how he's able to respond. Uh, the one thing that you're hoping is that in 2015 he also caught 41 passes. So if he's used in the passing game, perhaps uh, you get a little bit of a jailbreak with the downfield weapons that they have in the passing game. Mike, I'm proud to say we've been friends for many years. You know I'm in touch with my emotions. If I had to venture a guess, the last time you actually cried, beyond maybe a family situation, Hulk Hogan turns heel and goes Hollywood Hogan. That broke your heart, didn't it? Well, you know what? I, I was on board the, the my dark side at that point, so I, I really embraced the inner villainy, especially spray painting uh, your vanquished opponent. There, there had a little extra flair to that. Uh, I'd say from the, the wrestling side of things is when I could no longer count on the Iron Sheik to be on the main card. Oh, my God. Well, that goes back to when he did Hogan a solid, as you know, and, and, and gave him the belt, but we're destroying the That's show. You know, well, now, what other fantasy years questions? Ago, I've been carrying that for years. <laughs> yeah, Bob Backlund's going to join us in the final hour. Well, now, what other <laughs> Fantasy questions you have today. Sorry about that, brother. But if Car- <laughs> if Chris Carson is out for a long time, which Seahawks running back is the replacement there? Is it Lacey Rawls or Procise? We're going to bring out our Dungeons and Dragon 20-sided die and roll and see what Pete Carroll is going to do for us here. Uh, I, I think Thomas Rawls is going to get the, the first shot. Procise obviously coming back uh, this week. He's virtually unowned in leagues right now based on uh, what's gone on the first month of the year. So there's their waiver wire roll of the dice uh, pickup option for you. But I think Rawls will get the first shot. Lacey with a few carries perhaps work him into the short yardage. But uh, behind that offensive line, I, I don't know that there's, we're banking on grand success from any of them. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. The Fantasy Fix being provided by Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Mike Cordell already mentioned Minnesota, so let me get you to the other side of the Monday night matchup in Chicago. Your Bears featuring the starting debut of Mitchell Trubisky. Any reason to own him yet? Well, I think it's one of those you can stash, especially in most leagues now. Anybody that's actually starting uh, is stashed on a roster. But, you know, given the fact that this offense is predicated on the two running back system, you're going to see a lot of two-stepping. So we're going to see how proficient he is uh, handing the ball off here, I think, uh, against this Minnesota front uh, on Monday night. you got Zach Miller and still trying to figure out exactly who in the passing game can step up. Kendall Wright's had a number of targets. You see a little of Deontay Thompson, but not enough to where there's any consistency. Bellamy going on down the line. So rosterable uh, just for playing defensive purposes because there will be one or two weak slots uh, on the schedule that come up and maybe in the two QB leagues that that you give them a shot, but certainly not a, a start out of the gate. Very curious to watch exactly how this plays out Monday. 
Deshaun Watson has pretty much taken the league by storm, having his opportunity to start, especially the last couple weeks, uh, really doing a phenomenal job. But is he a must start at this point in the season after his huge last couple weeks? Yeah, we'll watch him this week. Uh, a nice showcase game Sunday night with Kansas City coming off of their big win and obviously uh, the extra eight points for the fantasy defense uh, of the Chiefs that nobody expected on that final play. Uh, but you look at what Watson's been able to do in the air. Uh, you get Will Fuller, the fifth. Got to remember to add that Will Fuller, the fifth back. So you have that speedster down the middle of the field. Uh, and also making plays with his legs. I think that's one of the things for fantasy purposes. Uh, it's a nice bonus. You're looking at eight points. Points this week, uh, 13 three weeks ago, uh, when that game against Cincinnati wasn't a dominant passing performance, but gave you the 67 yards and a score, and then 41 yards to go along with all the dominance uh, against the New England Patriots. So you're looking at big time numbers in the rushing game that are also putting you over the top. So this week, top 10 quarterback, even against Kansas City, looking to make plays with his legs. And, you know, it's been fun to watch him roll out by time and still have the laser down the field. Talking fantasy football with Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike Cordell loves it when I use the word aberration. We can go with anomaly, outlier. What do we make of what Cam Newton did on Sunday? Is there an asterisk based on the fact he did it against a lousy New England defense? That's exactly, at least for the moment, what we're going to call it. I want to see him do it again. Much different test this week against the turnover causing uh, wreaking havoc. Detroit Lions on the road in, against New England. That's now become one of those defenses that you're saying, you know what, I'll roll it up, whoever I got. So this week, Jameis Winston, it's your chi- time to shine and at least take aim at a back seven that's having trouble communicating and getting into position. So for Cam Newton, uh, the, I think the most encouraging thing was the willingness to to put his body on the line and run again. He'd done it in in spots the first couple of weeks, but usually just safe, get a couple yards and get down. Here he was he was running in the open field and and, and getting back to some of the cam that we'd seen. Uh, but you're not going to find wide receivers quite so open uh, on a week to week basis. So I, I want to see what he can do against Slay uh, and that Detroit secondary before I'll declare him back. Mike, how does the value of the Bears players change, whether it's at the running back position, receiver position, uh, with Mitchell Trubisky at the starting quarterback position? Well, you know what's tough about you know watching the, some of the the narrative that's been built here is Glennon wasn't great, but remember there are a couple of drop passes from Beaton. Atlanta in week one. Right. Not that everything then falls the same, but you know, much different conversation and probably a different decision along the way. I, I think when you look at Jordan Howard, you know, his upside is limited only by the fact that he's turning one shoulder into the line of scrimmage uh, as he's running the football, which is a very strange way to run. Uh, but you've got him and, and Tariq Cohen will probably remain uh, a big part of the passing game. If nothing else, maybe his targets tick up a little bit. Zach Miller uh, becomes a must-own guy, right? The tight end being the young quarterback's best friend. Uh, and, you know, maybe we'll have a little sitcom based on, on their relationship as we go forward. But the rest of the wide receivers, it remains to be seen. You know, you look at those third and fourth guys that were probably Probably working with him. I think Bellamy is the guy to hang a star on uh, and wait and see how many targets he starts getting, right? The familiarity that they had in training camp and then working second unit the last couple of weeks. So we'll see how that breaks out. But for now, it's, it's a wait and see. Michael, great information as always. As we say goodbye, if I can come up with the nexus of wrestling and the National Football League, 
What was a tougher moment to watch? Steve Mongo McMichael becoming a member of the Four Horsemen or the Fridge showing up at WrestleMania? I would have to say the Fridge at WrestleMania. Yeah, it was tough. But, you know, he, he was too embracing of the sideshow narrative because the guy was a pretty pretty good football player in between the lines and unfortunately there you know he just became a, a full comedic farce with steve mcmichael he could at least talk the game he might not have belonged in the four horsemen with those legends but his partying ways and rattlesnake hunting uh, were the things of legend so he at least fit the bravado profile thank you for breaking it down i didn't think you'd be that thoughtful there but that's why you're the most versatile <laughs> fantasy analyst that we know thank you michael You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise with Bose QC35 wireless headphones. You just flip a switch and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life, lose the noise, Lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell has some strong opinions, metaphorically slashing players and coaches around the league. Cordell Stewart earned the nickname of Slash for his sensational versatility on the field, playing quarterback and wide receiver at a very high level. But that moniker also brings another dimension, a competitive edge that won't settle for losing. So if your favorite team is underachieving, Cordell is ready to present solutions. Buckle up your chin strap because a coaching staff and some key players are about to get slashed. So let's start in Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown had a sideline outburst, tossing the Gatorade bucket, brushing aside his offensive coordinator, Todd Haley. Ben Roethlisberger, postgame in Baltimore, downplayed the incident, but he took a different path today when he went on the radio. This is courtesy of 93-7, the fan in Pittsburgh. He got upset because he was open, um, which I can understand. Sometimes that happens. It's not like I intentionally missed him. It's not like I intentionally didn't throw it to him. Uh, I was doing what my reads tell me to do. Um, you know, I, I don't even want to say I made a mistake because I was reading uh, the side I was supposed to read. It's just as unfortunate that, that it happened, and it's unfortunate that he, he acted and reacted that way. I told him on the sideline, maybe just come talk to me. Ask me what happened. Tell me that you were open. That goes a lot further than, than throwing a temper tantrum. We all try to talk to him, and it just doesn't, it, it didn't help. He's a veteran guy. He's been on this team for a long time. I know he's passionate about the game, but we love that passion. AB is the best receiver in the world, maybe one of the best to ever play the game. And I like to think that, um, you know, him and I together maybe are one of the best quarterback-wide receiver combos that have ever played the game. So I don't know that he needs to react that way. I mean, he's he's superhuman on the football field. And when that happens, it almost brings him back to uh, being a, a mere mortal, if you will. You know, because he, it gets in his head and he messes, and it, and it just messes with all of us a little bit. And I just, I, I want a, and I, I said this to him, I'm not saying anything that I haven't told him and talked to him about. And We've had private conversations, and I'm not trying to call AB out, but I just think that, you know, this is causing a distraction that none of us really need. Courtesy 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh, the dead, uh, dreaded D-word distraction. Cordell, maybe Ben Roethlisberger was listening to the program yesterday because he's echoing my sentiments. I thought that Antonio Brown acted childish on the sideline. What do you make of what Ben said today on the radio in the Steel City? Well, it's it's like talking out both sides of his mouth. I will say that. You know, it goes from understanding he was upset, 
he didn't miss the read. It wasn't intentional. Uh, he said it. he don't want to say it was a mistake, but he mentioned it was unfortunate. Come talk to him. The temper tantrums. Um, calling him out to being a distraction. This, this is what I'll say. You know, I played in that city and I played quarterback in the National Football League. And that's a phenomenal problem to have to me when it comes down to your guy wanting the football. And this is not just any receiver. This is not just an average receiver on this football team or even the National Football League. And, and I'm not giving Antonio Brown a pass. What I'm basically saying about Antonio Brown, yes, I do get the portion of, hey, man, keep yourself under control. But I wouldn't, as a quarterback, be the one to use words like distraction or, or, or being a t- having a t- temper tantrum or being unfortunate that he acted the way he did. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. If anything, I would come back and be like, you know what? I get where he's coming from. Because, yes, when watching the film, yes, he was wide open. But based on the pressure, I had to throw the football to the flat. And, and I get where he comes from. Because if I was that wide open, I would have wanted the football too. But all the other things that maybe he, he did, I think it's just from a place of being passionate about the game. You don't want to sound diplomatic when you're talking about your receiver, the guy that's on the other end of catching those balls that's allowing you to be as successful as you are, especially when Martavis Bryant was out last year, especially when Le'Veon Bell was out last year. You sometimes come to his aid because you know that wasn't intended to be a distraction or be that person that's out of, out of order because Todd Haley did come back and say, no, he was wide open. And so how do you handle that as the quarterback on the football team? I think you handle it in favor of your, of your receiver, knowing that he should have gotten a book football, knowing that you need him on the football field. And yeah, you know what? If there were private conversations, there's no need for the, the people on the outside to know about there being private conversations and, and you understand. What, it's all about at the end of the day that, hey, you know what? I missed him but I had to get the ball to the flat. So I understand where Antonio Brown is coming from. But far as, you know, uh, 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 the bottle or, or the Gatorade bottle being thrown and, and being a distraction, how about these distractions? When you had Mike Tomlin come out and say that practices had to be a little bit more physical and it caused some players like the, D, the, the D'Angelo Williams or, or a few other players getting injured in practice. But Ben comes out and says practices are maybe too physical. That's the reason why we're too injured. How about after the AFC Championship game when he made the statement about himself and saying that he don't know if he's going to come back and made it more about him than he did the football team? How about in the month of April when it came down to the OTAs and still not making a commitment to wanting to come back to the game or even letting it be known that he wants to play? But instead, he said, I still don't know. When you talk about distractions, and you, you ever hear that from Tom Brady when it comes to his football teams? When you talk about the elite quarterbacks in the games, in, in any of his players that have those temper tantrums or even have even bigger issues than what we saw Antonio Brown have on the sideline. You never hear those guys. If anything, you know what they say, man? I want my guy to be upset that I didn't get him the football when he was wide open. Because when you watch the film, he was wide open. And Todd Haley basically said, you know what? Yes, he was open. But there's a way you basically create the narrative for your top receiver in the game on your team when you you know you can't count on anyone else. Who do you go to? You go to Antonio Brown. So at some point in time, you know, even with the Martavis Bryant and how he handled that situation, Martavis Bryant was like, you know what? We need to have this conversation. 
because it sounds as if he's more about the politics of the game than he is about the players on the football field. I love what Antonio Brown did. You know why? Because he let me be known that, hey, I want the football. I had some of those issues with Plexico Burris. I never one time went out in the media and said anything bad about Plexico. If anything, I came back and said, hey, he wants the football. And I get it. And maybe I need to look his way a little bit more. Even if I know he was wrong for saying what he was saying, I still went to his aid because I'm I'm the one that hold the cards. Ben Roethlisberger has won multiple championships and gone to quite a few as a Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback. Protect your cube. Protect your receiver. Protect him. Make sure he's good. So he knows next time when he is open, that maybe he may get a look. Or guess what? He may not get the football even next time. So now, as, as, as Antonio Brown, hear these statements that are made in the newspaper or hear these statements that are made in the media or wherever else there he may hear it from, he knows that the next time his quarterback may not you know, get into this mode of feeling like he has to express himself, temper tantrums. You know, Ben doesn't owe anyone an explanation. He doesn't owe anyone that. What he owes to his teammate and his team behind the scenes is, my bad, bro, I got you. And be like, we had that discussion about that play. AB's okay, he's fine. But when you get to the point where you say a distraction and temper tantrum and, you know, he, you know calling him out or, or even saying that, you know, come talk to me. Come on, man. Sound emotional. This is a game of football. Ben had the opportunity to address some issues when he was unhappy about practice and how Coach Tomlin was calling the practices. And he almost undermined Coach Tomlin by saying, maybe the practices are too tough. Maybe they're too physical because guys are getting injured. And made it about himself also when he basically said, I may retire. He was in his feelings. He was emotional. And then even when he came back for the OTAs in April, he came back and said, you know what? I'm not sure if I'm coming back. Really? Come on. Make it about the team and not about yourself. Antonio Brown, yes. I think that was a moment that he had, and rightfully so. You know what? I love my receivers. Heinz Ward had those same feelings and emotions. Yancey Thigpen had those same emotions and feelings. Did they Even, throw a Gatorade bucket, though? I think it doesn't was matter. the public it's a part of the game. nature of the it's a part of It's a part of it. It's a part of the game. Trust me, it's a part of it. How many times have we seen on the sideline with Ben Roethlisberger and Tom, Todd Haley have those altercations on the sideline, and we see him rant and have those ranting? What about Tom Brady? How many times have we seen that on the sideline? Oh, we say, oh, it's okay because he's won championships. Well, that's arguably the best receiver in the game amongst any receiver in the game right now, Antonio Brown. There's none better. And when it comes to being on special teams, he makes up a lot of, he covers up a lot of the issues that the Steelers have when it comes to deficiencies at times. Whether it's Le'Veon Bell being suspended or injuries, whether it's Martavius Bryant being injured, whether it's not having a tight end opposite of this year, a tight end that can stretch the field like a Heath Miller did at one point in time. Who was the guy that showed up Every single time. That guy number 84. He never complained when he wasn't when he was getting underpaid. He never complained. He still showed up on time. So some guys, I'm not saying you give a pass to allow them to continue to do it, but you protect those types of players. Because without an 84, to me, when it comes to depending on the, all the other players, number seven would struggle because he wouldn't have that playmaker like an Antonio Brown making those plays when needing to. So I'm just saying, take care of your players. Take care of him. Tom Brady, number 12, that's what makes him so special. Even the guy number 12 in Green Bay with all the issues he has with some players. Take care of your players because you are the man. Can't nobody take that from Ben Roethlisberger. He's the man. He's second to Terry Bradshaw in that organization. Give your guy a pass every once in a while when those antics happen because you know you can count on him. He knows it. He said it many times. Sometimes I throw it to him in double coverage because I trust him. Give that conversation when times are tough. 
Don't throw him under the bus and make it seem like he's the bad guy because he's not the bad guy. Matter of fact, he's the best guy on that team. Well said. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. Tuesday edition of NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's take a step back, try to be objective. Going to be hard for me to do that because I agree with Roethlisberger, but why do you think, Cordell, he decided to go public with this observation? Here's my take. He does not want to be viewed as enabling that kind of sophomoric behavior like the Giants have been doing with Odell Beckham for years. Come on, man. But he's not the front office. He's not the administration. He's not the coach. He's one of them. So when you make yourself higher than the rest of the guys on the football team, how do you think they're going to perceive you when it comes down to trusting you and being right there with you? I can only go off of what you say. And I know when I saw that, yeah, I was I was somewhat as a as an outsider looking in. I saw that as a as something that he needs to control. Yeah, 110%, Brian, I swear, when it comes down to it, I agree with you. But that player right there, when it's all said and done in the end, you as the player go grab him and talk to him and say, I got you. My bad. Keep it together. I got you. And you don't go to the media and give them nothing because that's your guy. So just imagine if Antonio Brown gets frustrated and he doesn't even want to catch a ball anymore. We know it's not going to happen because that's not his personality. That's not why he works so darn hard to try to be that guy, regardless if they have Martavis Bryant, regardless if they have Jesse James in, regardless if they have Le'Veon Bell. We can go on and on. Haywood Bay, regardless of who they have in the mix, you know 84 will deliver. So at some point in time, when do you allow that one moment where, yes, he was wide open, but he had to go to his check down in the flat because of pressure. And maybe he was off. He wasn't in rhythm. So before he actually go late to the certain area, he went to the flat. Now, do respect that out of Ben. But the response you give to the media, that has to stay in-house. Stop talking about practices and saying that and undermining the head coach and when he's trying to be physical to set the precedence of, because the team was lacking in that, the cat, that category. Come back and say, maybe practices are too physical. Really? Or saying that you want to retire. I get that. But we never hear that from number seven. Excuse me, number 12 okay. in New England. But, but maybe player. Ben's trying to be that. human and to use your word transparent, and he's being honest when he goes on the radio. What's wrong with that? So what's wrong with what's wrong with number what's wrong with 84 being honest? If he was really honest and saying that he didn't see me, I was wide open, how do you think that would be perceived if 84 would have said that? I understand, but it's about setting in context. It's the optics of what Brown decided to do on Sunday in Baltimore. And so what about the optics of about practices and undermining the head coach and optics of, of what you're saying about uh, I'm not sure if I'm coming back in April. So he I'm, gets a pass I'm, because he's a quarterback, right? I'm in the storytelling business. I'm never going to rip a guest for being open and honest. And I applaud Ben Roethlisberger for telling the truth in all of those examples you just brought up. Well, I, 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 I did not once say he was wrong. All I'm saying is protect your player. What happened to making sure your guys are good? You've seen it happen before when the quarterback take the hit, in a sense, in the media. Because you see a guy acting out of character. Oh, I got you. But Ben also said he had the private conversation with Antonio Brown. Well, and now right he's there. going public with and those details. you leave it right there. And that's where it stops. It doesn't go no further. There is a code of ethics when it comes to conversations between players that doesn't get extended to the, to the media at all. In that conversation of temper tantrums, that sounds as if, to me, that's truly carefree, casual conversations with someone. you got to be careful with how you allow those conversations to come out, even if you are frustrated. You gotta sometimes 
save the player from himself and save the player from the media from getting on him too much. Because I know I need him. I need him. I could have I could have gone after I could have said things in the media about Ben Roth about about, about Plexigo Burris a multitude of times. But I'd never do that to him. I could have done it with I'd never. My offensive lineman, never. Defensive play, never. Because I know in that locker room, that's us. The media don't care about us in this locker room. They don't. They don't give one iota of a care or 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 concern about truly what's happening in the, in that in that in that locker room, other than stories. And I would not I would not talk about a temper tantrum with my core, my, my receiver, not my guy. I just can't do it. I'm not built that way. I would never undermine my coach and basically say that maybe practices are too physical when knowing that Coach Tomlin did it on purpose to set the tone because of the lack of physicality that's being brought to the game because that's not the Pittsburgh way. Or even, for that matter, put my teammates in an influx situation of trying to figure out what's going to happen and have them wonder what's going on to the media. That's all I'm basically saying at the end of the day. There has to be a, a, a there has to be a balance of how you actually handle those those situations because trust me, when you're the guy like Ben is in Pittsburgh, those words he say travel extremely far. And you know what? If I was Antonio Brown, I'm gonna say you know what? Be careful with the bottle. Be careful with throwing a Gatorade bottle. Yes, he was wrong. I get that. Yes, he was wrong. It was a bucket. It was bigger than the bottle. That, that too. bucket, yes. That bucket. The Not Gatorade a ketchup, bucket. A yes. bucket. He may get a he may get a sponsorship <laughs> off of that too, because he had quite a few. You know, uh so good job on that one, Antonio. But if he could come back with a smile on his face and just come back with a great game the next week, you know what? And say, you know what? I'll be bigger than the situation. Even though my quarterback said I was went on a temper transfer, you know what? So be it. Whatever. We've seen him have a couple too. He is not, Ben is not the coaching staff. Ben is not the front office. He is one of the players on the football team. But he's the leader of the entire team, and most specifically the offense, and maybe he's trying to motivate Antonio Brown to behave differently. What's wrong with that? Behave differently. So so now we, 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 we are, as a player on the team, we're now telling other players how to behave. That, that, that's what you're telling me? That's okay to do? Another player telling what another about player a code how to of behave. professionalism? You tell me the Steelers do everything in a first-class fashion. Well, that was what? not first-class to lose your mind. That's why you have coaches. I think, I think, I think. Well, you want to have that Brown, conversation? I think Antonio Brown is good enough to handle hey, himself in a certain way. They have moments. Have I mean, Steve Young. How many times have we seen Steve Young go ballistics on the sideline? You're a part of that time. Yes, a million years ago. You were ago. part of that. You saw it. Can we have, can we have the culture of the Steeler conversation again? Go ahead. Maybe Ben thinks that Mike Tomlin allows things to be too loose, and Ben's going to tighten things up, and he's going on the radio so to Ben's achieve that goal. So Ben's going to undermine and question the coach's way of coaching and handling the football team. That's what you're telling me? I'm giving That's you okay? my observation. I'm trying to think why Ben would be motivated to say what he said. I, I'm just I'm just saying, even though that is the, that you're trying to figure it out, my question is, to that, that's okay to do? Hell no, it's not. Heck no. You think that'll happen in, in – in, in, look what's going on in New England right now. Defense is the worst. Have you heard anything from Tom Brady in saying what his coach needs to do? But no, that's he has not. The culture not. of that team, Pittsburgh's very different with all the suspensions and the notion that things are loose within that organization. So we're saying that's Coach Tomlin's fault. I'm saying that the head coach sets the tone. So that's cool. So you're saying Ben Roethlisberger is addressing some of the issues and the flaws in which how Coach Tomlin is actually addressing his football team. That that's what we're going. That's what we're leaning towards. That is now. my observation. If I can be well, an amateur you psychologist, you know that, that's, that's no my good. takeaway. That's no good. That's no good. You have to allow the head coach to do his job and let front office, the Rooney family, address that issue and, and Kevin Colbert, the GM. 
That, that's where you stay in the locker room with the players. That's what we see with number 12 in New England. From a cultural standpoint, for as a player, from a cultural standpoint, as a player, stay in your lane. That's not your job to correct a head coach. Even to, a you know, Super Bowl champion that is? How like bad Ben things are happening in, right now with the Giants? Do you see the future Hall of Famer and Eli Manning addressing any of those problems? But a lot no. of the Giant fans would like to see some passion out of no, Eli. They no, think he's too do docile. That. No, no, no. You let, you, let, you let that handle itself. Number, number, number 10 needs to play better football. He needs to make better decisions before he jumps on the bandwagon of maybe what's really going on based on how we're looking at it from the outside in. He needs to handle his business first and make sure he hits the right guy. Because I know in Chicago last week, he targeted Antonio Brown last week 10 times and couldn't get the ball to anyone else other than Antonio Brown. And they lost that game. We can easily say, well, why didn't he get the ball to the other guys? The offense, when it comes to the passing game, it's not hitting on all cylinders which everyone thought this year, for as a receiving core was concerned, I said they have the best receiving core in the National Football League with Le'Veon Bell. How has that worked out so far with the receiving core? Hadn't been working out too well, has it? And who's the leader of that crew? Number seven, Ben Roethlisberger. So when it's all said and done in the end, you have to pick your spots properly. Be with your team. Allow the coaches and management to do their job. Don't undermine anything that they're doing up front, but keep close to your players and your teammates to make sure they don't lose themselves because of maybe what's happening around. That's the level, that's the leadership that I talk about when it comes down to players taking care of one another because once you now become the front office, that trust factor, you know, that trust factor and that questioning of what's your motive behind some things that you're saying, and even as a head coach, it can ruffle a few feathers because trust me, the head man in charge in that city is Mike Tomlin. They just gave him an extension. He may be there a little bit longer than most from how I see it and understand that organization to be because they don't get rid of head coaches too often. So all I'm basically saying is, is be mindful how you actually handle your teammates. Yes, he was wrong. And you can address that that way. Yes, he was wrong. But using words like temper tantrum, come talk to me. Who are you talking to? You don't need to give that to the media. Don't make it seem as if Antonio Brown's on an island by himself. I love his passion. I love what he brings to the table because he is that guy on that team. Even when Le'Veon Bell is out, who you depend on? Number 84, when there's no tight end in the mix because he's asking for a tight end to the media. We need someone that can stretch the middle of the football field. Now you're going to the personnel. Now you're going to the, now you're going to the scout, de- <laughs> scout department. He can do it all. He's big He's ben. doing it all. He's addressing the scouting department and where they're lacking and getting him another tight end down the football field. To the media. Come on, man. At some point in time, enough is enough. Just keep your mouth closed and do your job. Make sure your guys are there so when you need them, that they can be there for you. And to be honest with you, Martavis Bryant had to address those issues and what Ben said about the suspension to him. Ben was right about that. I get that, but that's one. You undermine the coaching and his approach when it comes to practice. I know. I thought all the. I thought all teams were physical teams in the sense of how they practice and trying to you know, get the and get the mindset the in the proper place of how you need to approach these football games. All I'm basically saying is, is just think about it for a minute. Do you want to throw your, your receiver under the bus? And I think he did. Yeah, and I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And now let's and he threw the head coach under the, the bus for practice last year too. Yep, and there so were no he, consequences. He, no consequences whatsoever. Yeah, you tell me. How's that going to work? 
There's only there's only one owner and there's only one head coach. Everybody else is players. I don't care how many champ Ben Tom Brady has won how many champion championships and taken that team to how many seven championships he's taken them to and won five. We never get that from him ever. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers will be a future Hall of Famer for sure, hands down. The debate goes on who's the best to ever go through that organ. That's another conversation. We know how that organization is lacking when it comes to him playing with less and still getting it done. Do you hear any problems coming out of it? What does he tell everybody to do? R-E-L-A-X. And have some scotch. Unfortunately, get a, get a shot of scotch. We have to leave it there. <laughs> I'm going to let you get a scotch. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.